0: Good morning. Before we dive into this, let me just say two or announce two things, and I apologize if it's already been announced. I'm sorry. Uh, number one, uh, I post it on Facebook, and I have it right next to the door or the entranceway, and I just wanted to, to say that I want to connect with you, um, and if you want to connect with me, and if you come by by the church, I just want to let you know that I'm in and out of the office for different reasons, and so I don't want you to be like, I going to go see Alex and get there, drive however long, and I'm not there. I don't want that to happen, and so please reach out to me before you come, just so uh, that does not happen, but I want to connect with you. If you're thinking like, oh my goodness, someone must have done that where they drove 40 minutes to go see him and he wasn't there. <laughs> nope, I'm just trying to be on the front end of things. Um, the second thing I want to announce is uh, the Rekindle Conference, which is coming up. Uh, forgive me, it's like two or three weeks. Aaron, is that right? It's March, one of the weekends in March. Um, and the reason I bring it up is because it'd be, and I know some people have gone to it in the past, um, a great way for us to be equipped in our ministries, whether that may look like at, at church here in different ways, um, at home, in our job places. Uh, and so, and Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, um, it's free because the church has been registered. He says, yes, Aaron's the man. The 21st. Thank you, Aaron. So Yeah, so those two are coming up. Um, and before we dive into this, I'm going to ask Bob to come forward and pray for us this morning. Does it matter which one, Aaron? This one?
1: Awesome. Thank you. Well, good morning. It is good to, to be here, to see your smiling faces this morning, to be gathered together, to worship together. I couldn't help but think about as we uh, were gathering together this morning. What a joyful reunion someday we will have. And in this is just a small setting of it, but someday when we're in His presence and uh, be unified with other believers, those that went on before us, and uh, we'll have all that to, to look forward to, and we do as believers. So um, I didn't mean to preach a message here, Alex. No, that's
0: excellent. rolls
1: off my tongue. People that know me know they can't shut me up sometimes, so I apologize for that, too. So. Let's pray, shall we? Father, it's good to be here. Lord, we sang this morning about your faithfulness, and truly you are. And uh, as we look back into the Old Testament times of working with your children of Israel, how your faithfulness continued through, and your word has always been um, 100% sure, and we can count on that. Uh, And we, we thank you for that. Thank you for allowing us to gather here this morning Thank you for the freedom that we have in our country, that we can do this and gather here. And I would pray, as we prayed already this morning, that this would continue uh, for our children's children. And as long as you tarry and before you come, that, that we'd be able to exercise and uh, that, that freedom of gathering and worshiping you together. Because indeed, we do have a, a God that we can worship we have a God that is not only the creator of everything, but he is also the author of our salvation, for which we are indeed uh, eternally grateful for. Thank you for your love for us. And Father, as we think further into this week and look at what lays ahead of us for each of the people that are sitting here in the pews this morning, different needs um, in each family, in each person's life, Lord. Might we just, with that need, look to you daily for the guidance, for the instruction that we can get from you and from your word in in dealing with our daily issues. Uh, Lord, also we pray for those who are battling with uh, illnesses. uh, Through our our church body here, we thank little Paul there, Lord. We continue to lift him up before you. We thank you that we know that things are in your hands. Continue to pray for Matt and Ann, too, and uh, give them the rest, the strength, and the encouragement that they need to continue on and through this. this uh, And uh, for others, too, Lord, we think of John and Kathy, too, Lord, as they uh, are dealing with different issues in their lives, Lord. And uh, we just continue to pray for them as well. Might they receive a blessing in some way or another from your word today. And we would pray for each of the people that are sitting here once again today, Lord, that we'd be receptive of the things that Pastor Alex has laid, you laid upon his heart to share with us this morning. We'd be open and receptive to those things. And to be truly indeed listening to what the Spirit would have to say for us today. Thank you again for this opportunity to be together and to worship you. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: We just sang, uh, I don't know what song it was, um, but it says, Oh, praise the Lord our God. I think, it, is that right? I'm looking at you. Is that the right third Where it's praise God. And I read that and I, I was singing it. I'm like, okay, um, just in my mind, I'm like, okay, what do I have to praise God for? And I just think about, you know, before Christ, I was a pitiful person as, as the New Testament says, dead in my sin, doing things that I am completely ashamed of. Now, the stuff that I did, I was on my way to hell as we all were before Christ. And then God stepped in. And then now there's just joy upon joy. We have blessing upon blessing, uh, eternal blessings that cannot be exhausted. And that's what we have now. And I just think about how much we can praise God. And that was kind of one of the reasons, if you remember last week, the last passage was about why we obey. In Christ, we're not obligated to obey because Jesus Christ was perfectly obedient, perfectly righteous, and through faith, we receive the righteousness of Christ. So we're not obligated to. So the whole thing we were looking at last week was why then do we obey? And one of the main ones was in response to God's love and His grace. For freedom He has set us free. We were dead in our sins. We were rebelling against God. We were committing treason. But yet He stepped in, saved us, and adopted us. So we looked at last week why we should obey. And this... This week in this passage that Paul talks about here is all about how can we obey or how do we obey or how can we are able to obey. Last week was why we should obey. Today is how we can obey. And this is extremely applicable and vital for each of our lives and your life as a, a husband, wife, a student, a child, a parent, a worker, a, a boss, a manager in all areas of your life. Um, God is very clear about certain commands and how we should live and so this is very integral and vital to our lives today being the person that God has called us to be and this is I'll say this right here this is the main thrust of the point or the whole passage is this and Paul brings up right away walk by the spirit to obey God walk by the spirit to obey God but before we dive into this, open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I want to look at this very quickly. Ephesians chapter 5. So in Ephesians 5, verse 18, Paul says this. He says, do not get drunk with wine, this, uh, verse 18, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, and some very close to, if not synonymous with, walk by the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, and the reason I bring this up is because if we if we look at this, just like in Galatians five, where Paul tells us what walking by the Spirit looks like, the fruit of the Spirit, Paul tells us what filled, being filled by the Spirit, looks like. Follow with me here in uh, verse uh, nineteen. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. We have a song we sing of what God has done. He goes on giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, there's gratefulness, there's thankfulness to God. The next verse, submitting to one another, our reverence for Christ. And this within the context of the church, we're submitting to each other. We're not out for our own good, but we put others' priorities above ourselves. Then he gets into what some of our, uh, kind of a hard passage for a lot of us. Wives, submit in respect to, to husbands. Husbands, sacrificially serve and love your wives. And then kids, obey your parents. And then fathers, raise your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then he gets into as employees, bond servants, work as unto God. And then as bosses, employers, Serve, remember that you also have a, a, a boss and authority in heaven. And so we see here being filled with the Spirit, the effects of the results is very clear. Gratefulness, thanks, thanksgiving. Um, we're singing of what God has done. It affects how we respond to each other in the church, it affects how we are in marriage, it affects how we parent, it affects how we respond to our parents, it affects us in work. It's evident. <laughs> being filled with the Spirit is evident and it is very practical. And so we'll see that here today in our passage as well, walking by the Spirit. And so keeping that in mind, now jump back to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Walk by the Spirit to obey God. Three points uh, that Paul kind of lays out here having to do with walking by the Spirit and that's what we'll look at. So, the main idea is walk by the Spirit to obey God. Point number one we see in verses 16 through 18 is that walking by the Spirit is dependent growth in Christ's likeness. Walking by the Spirit is dependent growth in Christ likeness. Paul begins, verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. First word we see there is but, a conjunction, right? Uh, who here loves grammar? No one. I think it's interesting. But other than that, I'm not too fond. But it's very important. But anyway, the point here is a conjunction, meaning it ties to something that comes before it, which is verse 15. This isn't out of nowhere. We're not pulling out of its context. Verse 15, if you remember, one of the reasons to obey is because of the warning of disobedience. It's not punishment, but remember, it's the picture of two wild animals fighting to the death. Is that when we don't obey... We're only up for our own good, and we fight and devour and bite each other, as Paul says here. So he says, in contrast to that, he says, walk by the Spirit. And that's the main command in this whole section, as I said, walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? So let's dive into that. A few aspects. Number one, walk. And in Scripture, walk has, uh, is like the picture of our life, our daily life, day by day, Moment by moment, working, school, chores, family life, siblings, sleep, go to bed, wake up, do it again. Day by day, in and out, our walk of life, this journey of life. Taking one step after another, just like walking, one moment at the next, this moment, this moment, this hour, the next hour, this walk. Disciplining our kids, doing laundry, taking the, the trash out, cleaning the house, fixing the car, going to work. All these things, just life, our walk. So Paul says, walk by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. And within that phrase, there's a few more aspects. What does that mean to live by, walk by the Spirit? So first is this. It means you have the Spirit. You cannot walk by the Spirit if you do not have the Spirit. And you receive the Spirit when you first repent of your sins and trust in Christ. And God the Spirit lives within you. And now, let me tell you, let's, let's be straight with this right away. Me and you can look at the fruit of the Spirit, right? And there are certain things in that, and this is, I think, maybe not just you, or maybe, hopefully not just me, I shouldn't say that way, but we can read that and we think of people who do not believe in christ who are unbelievers and they exhibit certain things more than we do is anyone else like that they can think of someone a neighbor a friend whatever and we're like this person is definitely exhibits patience way more than me and they don't even know who christ is they don't even have the god the spirit in them why is that and i want to address this right away two reasons number one they're still made in the image of God. It's marred by sin, like it is with us, but they're still made in the image of God, and that does shine through in different areas. They're still made in the image of God, and they have dignity, and they're still the image of God that comes to them. Uh, number two is what some call is common grace. God gives grace to everyone, a common grace, not just Christians. God, as the Bible says, he makes it rain on everyone. And rain, within that context, was good for farming. That meant you have food. You have you have things to sell. God sends rain on everyone. God gives children to believers as well as non-believers. God blesses people's jobs to believers and non-believers. There's common grace. There's common grace that our governments can even run, that sin doesn't just corrupt them completely. There's common grace that God gives out on both believers and unbelievers. And so that's the what I'm trying to put forth here, is that while we can read the fruit of the Spirit and think, and think of non-believers who exhibit something more than we do is because they still have the image of Christ, and God gives common grace, but you cannot live by the Spirit without the Spirit. That's the first point. The second is this: living and walking by the Spirit means being controlled by the Spirit and directed to Christ's likeness. Now, follow me with this here. So, um, to live by something is to live by its rule or its leadership, to live by it. And the rule and the leadership of the Spirit is the Word of God, which the Spirit inspired. The rule and leadership of the Spirit of God is the Word of God, which the Spirit of God inspired. And so to walk by the Spirit is to live each moment, remember, step by step, moment by moment, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, in obedience to God's Word, which is the Spirit's inspired Word. Paul says in Romans 8.13, he says this, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. And he ties it, and we'll look at three more verses here. To living by the Spirit means you're putting to death sin. You're putting to death sin. Paul connects living by the Spirit with sanctification here in these two verses. Second Thessalonians two thirteen. He says, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit. And then in a verse uh, that we just read in our Sunday school class, um, 2 Corinthians, Paul says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit tied to Christ's likeness. And if you remember, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, Paul says, um, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He asked that question to the, to the Galatians. And the obvious answer is no, we're not being perfected by the flesh, but we are being perfected by the Spirit. And so we see within this that being walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, is being controlled by the Spirit, growth in Christ's likeness. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit. And we see that tied to the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness, love, patience, kindness. It's Christ-likeness. This is perfectly exemplified by Christ. That as we walk by the Spirit, as we're directed by the rule and leadership of the Spirit, we'll grow and become more like Christ, as in the fruit of the Spirit. Now, walking in obedience to the Spirit and to God's Word Would equate to not gratifying the desires of the flesh, which is exactly what Paul says, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If we're walking according to God's word, growing in obedience to God's word each moment by moment, we will not be gratifying the desires of the flesh. Let me make a note here. When he says flesh, it's very important to understand the context because that can mean different things. Number one, it can remain, it can within the context can mean like physical flesh, as in Jesus came in flesh. Physically, he became human. Paul, as we see in this context, he's not referring to our physical flesh as evil. He's referring to our sinful nature that we, as believers, still live with, that will be redeemed in the future when we're face to face with Christ and we're glorified. It will be, but it still remains with us. That's the flesh he refers to. So he says, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And this, if we're honest, and I I try to be honest, is not easy whatsoever. Can I get an amen? Yeah, no, no, it's really hard. In my life, at least. Uh, And remember, uh, so Paul says, by the Spirit. In the Spirit's power, we're supposed to do this. This is another aspect. And remember the context of where Paul's writing. The false teachers are telling the Galatians, hey, you can only be saved by keeping the law by your own effort. And they also say, you can only continue to be saved, you can only grow and follow Christ if you obey the law by your own effort. Paul writes back saying, not at all. It's by God's power and his will alone that you are saved. And then he says here, it is by the Spirit's power alone alone. That you will walk by the Spirit, that you will grow in obedience. And so Paul is pushed back against that. We are dependent on the Spirit's power. But notice this kind of tension. But yet, you are commanded to walk by the Spirit. You're dependent, and you can't do it without the Spirit's power, but yet you are commanded to walk by the Spirit. One author calls this dependent responsibility. We're responsible to walk, but we're in complete dependence on the Holy Spirit to do it. And it's hard. And like, I like, okay, how do we understand this? So I'm, I'm dependent completely on the Spirit's power to produce this fruit, to obey Christ moment by moment, yet I'm commanded to be the one walking. So what does this look like? It is moment by moment, Acknowledging our weakness and inability to obey God, to walk by the Spirit each moment. And it's then to depend on and expect the Spirit to strengthen us and give us the power to do it in that moment. Kind of twofold. Number one, acknowledging our need that we can't do it. And number two, is that faith and that confidence that the Spirit will empower us. Um, I brought this up a couple weeks, it might have been months ago now. Um, is that prayer is the tangible expression of our dependence. Prayer is the tangible expression of our dependence. And so looking at your life, my life, in my praying, is my life full of prayer? Because if it's not, then just tangibly, I'm not depending on God. Because if I was, I'd be crying Oh, God, help me here. Help me talk to this person. Lord, I have to meet with this person. They're not very fun here at work. Lord, help me. Oh, my kid's talking out lord give me grace uh lord my parent doesn't want me to do this but i think it's really good i don't understand why they're saying no but lord help me to obey in this situation it's this prayer the tangible expression of our dependence so that first point here is walking by the spirit is dependent growth in likeness, living moment by moment as it comes as we step by step as we walk In obedience to the Spirit's rule and leadership, which is through God's Word, moment by moment, in His power, depending on Him. And this is awesome. Uh, Praise God, because it's not easy. And if we're honest, it's like a battle within us, right? Amen? It's a battle to do this day, uh, day by day, much less hour by hour, and conversation by conversation, moment by moment. And Paul... He's honest too. Look at verse 17. He says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What is he saying? The Spirit-led life is a battle. It is not passive. It is a warfare day in and day out. It is a war zone, a constant battle between the desires of our flesh and the desires of the Spirit, the the rule of the Spirit. Listen to um, how Paul describes this in his own life in Romans 7. He says this, "'For I do not understand my own actions. "'For I do not do what I want, "'but I do the very thing I hate. "'For I know that nothing good dwells in me "'that is in my flesh. "'For I have the desire to do what is right.'" but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Can anyone else say, yep, that's, that's me. That is me. Uh, in my marriage, that's me. With my kids, that's me. At work, that is me. Uh, with in-laws, that is me. That battle within us. What a frustration. Um, did anyone here grow up like, uh, watching cartoons, like the typical Looney Tunes and stuff like that, other cartoons? One thing I thought about this is the, and we see in all cartoons, is a person comes to a fork in the road, and then what appears on their shoulders? The angel and the devil, right? And the devil's like, oh, you got to do this, buddy. You should do this, and it's something selfish and wrong. then you got the angel saying, oh, you should really do this. This is what's right. And then eventually, using the cartoons, the devil jumps to the shoulder. They start wrestling, and then they disappear, right? And we get that tension within this verse is that we've got our desires of our sinful nature saying, hey, you have right to be angry. You should satisfy that lust, or you should satisfy that urge to gossip about this person and join in with this. Well, you've got the Holy Spirit saying, no. You know what's right. Be patient. Be slow to anger. Be kind. I know it's not easy, but be kind. And we've got this tension here. And this battle rages. So this is what it means to walk by the Spirit, is to obey the Spirit, His rule, His leadership, in, in His power, and not to gratify the desires of our flesh that is wanting us to sin, to, to, to do what we want to do and not what God wants. And so we see that it's practical. It's applied theology in our lives. This is what it means to walk by the Spirit. And this is only possible and remember where Paul is building from, this is only possible because Jesus has set us free. If you are here today and are not trusting in Christ, this is absolutely pointless to you because as God's word says, you are enslaved to your sin. You cannot not sin. And so we are only able to walk by the spirit because Jesus Christ has set us free from our sin. We are now able to obey because of that. So, Paul commands walk by the Spirit. Grow in choosing each moment to obey God's word and not satisfy or gratify the desires of the flesh. And then Paul adds here, verse 18: But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Kind of two things Paul's saying here. Number one: if you're led by the Spirit, which all believers have the Spirit, and so we are being led by the Spirit then you are not under the law. Jesus has set you free. Jesus has kept the law perfectly for you. He has obeyed perfectly. He he was perfect righteousness, and his righteousness through faith in Christ is yours. You're not under the law. You're set free. So Paul here affirms, again, the gospel. That, hey, if if you're led by the Spirit, meaning that you have the Spirit, which means that you've been set free by Christ, which means you have faith in Christ, which means... Uh, you're not under the law because Christ has set you free. That's one point that he means by this. The second point, it's a response to an accusation that I think I may have brought up a couple weeks ago. And one of the accusations by the false teachers was say, hey, Paul, if you tell these Galatians believers they don't have to keep the law, they're not obligated to anymore, then they're just gonna go nuts. They're just going to indulge in all their sin. They'll just go crazy. They don't have to, so why do it, right? But Paul is saying that's not how it works. So we do not need the law to restrain ourselves because we have the Spirit. We're not under the law. We're led by the Spirit who will be producing His fruit in us. And so he, he, he responds to the accusation that no, we don't need the law to restrain us because the Spirit is... Will. We have freedom in God. So that's how he ends this section. But the whole point, that first point, walking by the Spirit is dependent growth in Christ's likeness. We walk towards a spot, and that's towards Christ's likeness. And it's by growth we're commanded to walk, but it's dependent on the Spirit. So that's point number one. The second point we see about walking by the Spirit is this just like in Ephesians 5 walking by the spirit is very easy to, d- to discern it's very easy verse 19 paul says now the works of the flesh are evident it's clear it's on the outside you can't fool anyone you can't say you're walking by the spirit and you're committing this anything in this list of flesh it is very evident it's very clear we can't be hypocrites and say one thing and we can't fake fake the other side it's very evident when we're walking by the Spirit and we're not. So asking yourself this morning, as we go through this list, and then the fruit of the Spirit, which one have you been living on? This morning, this past week, this past month, which one have you been living on? Have you been walking by the Spirit, choosing And the freedom we have in Christ to obey the Scripture, to obey what God says is leading in the Scripture, moment by moment. Or have we been more gratifying our desires to jealousy, to anger, fits of anger, of frustration, of envy? So if if you're not actively involved and put into death sin, if you're not actively involved in choosing to obey scripture moment by moment, then we cannot say that we're living by the spirit because we're not. No matter what we say, it is evident in our lives whether we are or we're not. The life of the spirit is not a mystery. It is evident whether we're walking by the spirit or gratifying the desires of our flesh. Now, as we jump into these next two lists, the list of the works of the flesh and the list of the fruit of the spirit, we could spend all day, all next week, all, I'm sorry about the Kleenex, we could spend the next months going over, through, over this, right? We're not going to. I, I, I felt like that may not have been the best. Um, but what we're going to do is this. I'm going to very briefly just say, yep, this is what this is. Some, I might just say two words. But as we go through it, I pray that each of us, me included, will look at this and ask the Spirit to convict us in areas where, oh Lord, I need help in this area. I need to grow in this area. And when we get to the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, I am lacking here. Please, God, help me. And I pray that the Spirit will work among us like, yep, God, I need help here. Lord, help me. So as we go through that, reflect on your life with me and may the spirit of God convict us as we go through it not to to anguish or or depression, but just to convict us yep I need to grow in this area and I pray that he would affirm us that in Christ we can and that we're forgiven. so you ready for this? okay, let's do it. so the works of the flesh Paul says is evident first one, sexual immorality and this has a very broad meaning. it includes, All illicit sexual activity. Uh, Sex outside marriage, prostitution, pornography, homosexuality, bestiality. It's a huge list. Sexual immorality. Paul then says impurity. And this has the sense of of uncleanliness. All immorality. Kind of two big ones that are very inclusive. Sensuality. We're sensual beings. But what Paul is saying here is unbridled lust, unbridled lust, unrestrained sexual indulgence without caring and with no shame. And I thought about our culture today. Unbridled, unrestrained sexual indulgence with no shame, completely shameless about it. Idolatry, he goes on. Physical idols, yes, obviously at that time there was physical idols, uh, the statue of Artemis and all these different Greek and Roman gods or wherever. Yes, that's obvious, but also whatever else we put are above God, So whether it be our families, even our careers, money, popularity, our social media image. The list is endless. Idolatry, sorcery. And this may seem kind of far fetched. Okay. This doesn't really have much to do with us, but with that, like the very bare bones is the idea of manipulating circumstances in an ungodly way rather than trusting God. And so hence magic, things like that within that. But just thinking about our our, our attitude as well. Are we manipulating circumstances in an ungodly way? Obviously, it's not wrong to change things, but are we doing it in an ungodly way rather than trusting God? He goes on, enmity, which is hatred, hostility towards someone. He says strife. do we have this contention, this quarreling, this conflict that is not co- like a good conflict that's being resolved, but it's just strife, it's continuing. Jealousy. And I read that I was like, I, I do not need to say anything else for my own sake. jealousy. Fits of anger, a short fuse, quick to anger, unbridled temper. Quick to be frustrated and lash out in anger. Rivalries, he says. Self-seeking. Dissensions, the idea of standing apart. This disunity. And then the last one, or the one after that, divisions. There's divisions. He goes on. Envy, this ill will towards someone. Uh, Drunkenness, exactly what it means. He's not saying drinking in general, but drunkenness. When you're controlled by it. Orgies, and this word here within the context has to do with half-drunken orgies and pagan worship. Half-drunken orgies and pagan worship. It can also have this this sense of rowdy and crude behavior. Rowdy and crude behavior. And so here's this list. But Paul then says this, and things like these, he adds on, and things like these, because this is not exhaustive. In our own lives, there's so much we could add to it. About yes, I gratify the desires of my flesh in this. It's not listed in there, but I also do this, and this, and this. This list is not exhaustive. What other areas in your life are you choosing to gratify the flesh rather than walking by the Spirit? Now, I, I trust the Holy Spirit has pointed out at least one. I've got like five or six to work on. But I has at least point out one thing that, yep you need to work on this. This needs to be re-examined. Paul adds this in verse 21. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, he's saying this multiple times, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you might be like, I do these things way too often than I hope to. And it's important. Remember grammar. I brought up grammar, Right? And this is where grammar comes very important. The word do, the grammar of it in the original language has this idea of continuous, habitual. Your life is an unbroken chain of this habitual sin. That's what this idea, it's not that if you ever do it occasionally, I don't even like to use that word, but this comes up, that you struggle with it. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it's a a habitual trend. It's a chain that's unbroken that you do these things. And And he says that, If that's the case, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Is he saying because of works? Not all. But he's saying that your salvation should affect how you're living. If your life is described by this unbroken chain of the works of the flesh, then we should examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And then Paul comes to the fruit of the Spirit, right? Amen. Sweat that off. Here we go. Fruit of the Spirit. And again, as we go through this, think. May the Spirit work in us. What areas do we need to grow in? Do we need to choose to walk by the Spirit rather than gratifying the desires of our flesh? He goes on. Love. This self-giving service, even at a personal expense to ourselves. Love. Joy. Happiness that's based on spiritual realities and not on our circumstances. Happiness based on spiritual realities and not on circumstances. Peace. This idea has the, the, the word this word has the idea of everything is is as it should be. Everything is in place. Not the absence of difficulty and hardships, but a tranquility of mind that comes from being right with God through Christ. This peace. Everything is, is as it should be because of Christ. Patience, tolerance, long-suffering, even with injuries from other people. It's a calm willingness to accept painful and irritating situations. Patience, kindness, tender concern for other people. Goodness, moral excellence, known by act of kindness. Faithfulness, loyalty and trustworthiness. Gentleness, uh, one commentator says this, Gentleness is the temper of spirit in which we accept God's dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting and thus are gentle towards other people. And Paul ends it with self-control. We control our, our desires and our passions. And Paul ends that list with the, by saying, and, and against such things there is no law. Against such things there is no law. Again, Paul reminds them that the law is not the one producing this. The law cannot produce this fruit in you. It is the Spirit that does, that you have through faith in Christ. All right, so the first two points. Number one, walking by the Spirit is dependent growth in likeness, moment by moment, step by step. Number two, walking in the Spirit is, or walking by the Spirit, is evident. It's clear. It is very easy to discern whether you're living out the lists and the the works of the flesh or if you're producing the fruit of the Spirit. It is evident. It is very clear if I am, if you are, if we are, if we're walking by the Spirit or walking by the flesh. And it's not easy, as Paul says. It is a battle. So then he ends with this, the third point is walking by the Spirit from a position of victory. It's like a very encouraging end. We walk by the Spirit. Do not forget that we walk by the Spirit from a position of victory. Paul says, verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Don't forget, he says, do not forget that you're in this battle, but it's already done. If you belong to Christ, if you're adopting the family of of God through faith in Christ, it's already done. Your flesh has been crucified. Why then do we still struggle with these desires, as Paul says, that we still struggle and are tempted to gratify the desires of our flesh? It's because our sinful nature is still with us. Um, You know we have chickens, right? It's kind of like when you chop off the head of a chicken. Done final blow the death blow has been given they're good as death but a lot of times they run around for a few seconds right right that's exactly what's going on here the final blow the death blow has already been given to our flesh it's done it is good as done but it is done but the flesh our sinful nature can still influence us it's still producing these desires just like the chicken runs around for a little bit and it's 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 time is short because once we Christ returns or we die and we're glorified, it's done. It's only for a little bit of time that it's able to, uh, to exercise any kind of influence. So Paul says, yes, you're in this battle and it's not easy, not easy. But do not forget you are commanded to walk by the Spirit in the Spirit's power and from a, a position of victory. It's already been done. Verse 25, he ends it with this. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And again, hate me if you will, grammar comes in kind of important here as well. Uh, in the original language, what we can't do in English, what can be done here, is that it's a, conditional, it's, a, it's a conditional sentence, right? If this, then this. But in that language, it's able to assume. So by this, I mean this. That first phrase where it says, if we live by the Spirit, the way the grammar is, that it's assumed to be affirmative. Yes, we're living by the Spirit. It's assumed already. Yep, affirmative. We live by the Spirit. Then Paul says, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You're living by the Spirit. If you have faith in Christ. And Paul says, if that's the case, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. Again, it's a response. Christ has set us free. He has given us His Spirit. Therefore, in in response to that, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Jesus has won the ground. He has taken your shame, your punishment. He has given you perfect obedience. He has adopted you in his family. Hell is not even close in your reality anymore because of Christ. He says, in response to that, keep in step with the Spirit. And that picture, the keeping in step with the Spirit, is of a military marching. They're marching, keeping line, keeping in tune with the Spirit, like a, a marching line. What's also interesting is this is a great transition to next week. Within that, if you look at our passage for next week, it has to do within uh, the community of the church. And within this picture of keeping step with the Spirit is kind of us together staying in this marching line and tune to the cadence of the Spirit. If we're individually not walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit will be out of tune or out of line, marching line with others. And so we get this kind of transition into next week. But that's next week. But let me end our passage today. Walk by the Spirit to obey God. Walk by the Spirit. It isn't abstract. It is very practical. Choose to obey the Spirit's leading In God's word, moment by moment, step by step, hour by hour, conversation by conversation, argument by argument with our our spouses, with our kids. Choose to obey God rather than gratify the desires of our flesh. And let me say this. If you're a believer and you're looking at that list and you're thinking just like I am, like Lord God, I am struggling in this. My life, there's so much. Well, I'll be honest, fits of anger, that comes up. That idea of frustration, oh, I, I, that hit me hard. I think I sat on it for a little bit, and that's on purpose for my own sake. I look at the fruit of the Spirit. Patience, my Lord God, help me with that. And so maybe you also have some specific things that just nail you over the head. What do we do? What do we do? Let me list six things. Number one, let us commit to choosing to walk by the Spirit this next step, this next moment, this next conversation, this next day. And then when that's done, let's commit for this next day, this next moment, this next conversation, the next argument with our spouse. This argument right now, I'm going to commit. I'm going to walk by the Spirit. The next argument, when that comes up, I'm going to commit to walk by the Spirit. Number two, are we, are you... Trying to do this in your own power. Is prayer absent in our lives? The tangible expression of our dependence. Is it missing? Because if it is, we need to walk in the spirit. And prayer is the tangible expression of our dependence. Number three, schedule time. Schedule it. If you're if you're a scheduled person. To renew your mind with God's word. And we just read this in our Sunday school. John 17. Jesus prays that God would sanctify his disciples. And he says, your word by the truth. he says, your word is truth. Renew your mind with God's word. Schedule time. Number four, seek support. Ask someone to pray for you. Ask someone to pray for you. Number five, very uh, similar. Seek mutual accountability within this. We need each other. Have you given one, two, three people in your life permission to say hard things to you, to say the tough things? I have a, a like one guy in specific, another pastor, that he tells me some really hard things that I need to hear at times. Some really hard things, but it's like, hey, you have permission to say these tough things, and I'll hate you for a little bit for it, of course, but you have permission, and that's what we need. We need not everyone. But do we have one, two people, preferably someone of the same gender, that can say difficult things in your life? Hey, Alex, I've been hearing about this from your wife, and I, I see it. You're really struggling in this area, and something needs to change. You need to keep an eye on this. Do we have that? And uh, last of all, and above all, run to the cross. Fall down in worship that even in light of the struggle and weakness, you are seen as perfect in Christ. You are seen as completely righteous in Christ. You are seen as perfect by God in Christ. And you have all the blessings that perfection brings because of Jesus Christ. And let me end with this. If you're here today and have not... Repented of your sin and trusted in Christ. What we just shared about walking by the Spirit is meaningless to you. God's word says you are enslaved to sin. And we who are Christians, we've all been there. We all start as non-Christians. We all start as rebels, as sinners that want nothing to do with God. It isn't your obedience that saves you. It is faith in Jesus Christ and He alone. And it's from that that we respond with obedience. So why do we obey? Because Jesus Christ has died for us. How can we obey? Living, walking by the Spirit. Please pray with me. Uh, Lord, not easy, Lord, to see the characteristics of my life in the list of the works of the flesh. Not easy to see the things of the fruit of the Spirit, absence in my life, Lord. Uh, God help us, Lord. God help us just to be confirmed, knowing that we are free in you. Yes, we struggle, yes, we battle, but because of faith in Christ, we are perfect. We are made, we are right with you, Lord, and we have nothing to worry about because Jesus has paid it all. And I pray from this foundation and from that truth, Lord, give us this compassion. This being compelled this motivation to then kill our sin lord help us to war with our sin god may we see how our anger our jealousy our envy our division lord help us to see that how it's killing people how it's destroying relationships and lord may we war with the sin give us grace give us wisdom and open our eyes to to depend on your spirit lord and God, is not easy, and we're so thankful that you make that clear, that it's not easy whatsoever, and that even Paul, the Apostle Paul, who persecuted, has written incredible things, that he too has said that he does things that he does not want to do, and he does not do the things he wants to do. And Lord, we are thankful for that honesty. God, give us grace, Lord, and we know that you're faithful. And Lord, above all, we, may we walk out today... That even in the midst of this battle, we can have a hop on our step because we are free in Christ. That we are right with you. We have complete peace. Everything is as it should be because there's no hostility between us because of Christ alone. And Father, we, we thank you and we pray this in son's, in your son's name. Amen.